It's too easy for us to become blind, especially to human suffering that seems so far away. When we see people on TV who are suffering, we might feel sorry for them, but it doesn't always feel real to us. But unlike many of us, Jesus understands human suffering and there is a special place in the kingdom for those who are disabled or marginalized. It can be hard for us to understand the suffering of others, but if we ask Christ to help us and have faith in him, Jesus will help us see. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. But to really be nourished by the word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle B. Our first reading is from Jeremiah. It's chapter 31, verses 7 through 9. Our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, it's chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And our gospel reading is from Mark, it's chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Just a couple things to note. First, we have scripture readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Jeremiah is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew scripture, while the letter to the Hebrews is from the New Testament, or the Christian scripture, as is our gospel reading. So tonight, we'll see that we're told to sing and shout. Jesus is our high priest forever, and beggars can be choosers. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. As I said, our first reading is from Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn son. Our second reading is from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, 
just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And finally, our gospel reading is from Mark. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around for a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Jeremiah. And if you noticed, the, the first paragraph, the, the first sentences attributed to God are a list of action verbs. Sing, shout, uh, make your praises heard. It's, it's basically telling us what to do when the Lord saves us. Now, for most of us, this reading doesn't really hit close to home. It, it probably feels more theoretical to you. I mean, it, it does to me. The reason it doesn't exactly resonate with us is because it's not really talking about us, but it is talking about millions of people we see on TV or read about in the news. You see, Jeremiah is offering hope for people who have been exiled from their home. So if you haven't been exiled, if, if you aren't an immigrant or a refugee, uh, then this reading isn't speaking about you. However, I would argue that this reading is definitely speaking, or at least trying to speak to you. Scriptures are are clearly, or, or they're clear that that the Lord favors those who are outcasts or exiled, and God doesn't really care about the man-made borders we've used to, to carve up this world that he created for all of us. And regardless of what so many self-proclaimed Christians in the U.S. seem to think, it's very likely that our God favors those immigrants and refugees at our southern border. You know, the, the ones they want to keep on the other side of the fence. It's likely that God favors those people more than these 
fear-mongering Christians who are trying to keep them out. In this reading from Jeremiah, the, the theme of deliverance, I think, shows special favor for anyone who is physically disabled or vulnerable in some way. In other words, those of us who are not exiled or outcast or who aren't physically disabled or vulnerable, we're not the ones who are automatically favored by God. We can certainly be part of the the great thong or great throng, sorry, that will be gathered, but that's kind of the point. We can't be included in that great throng of people who will be gathered if we've kept the most favored people separate from us. And finally, I should point out that this reading, it does point towards Jesus. It, it prophesies of the time when, when Jesus will come and reach out to all of the outcasts of society, all, all of those who are exiled, homeless, or, or others who are locked out. You know, it points to the time when Jesus will come and bring all of them home to the kingdom. So the main message I got from our first reading is that Jesus welcomes everyone. Why aren't we doing the same? If, if we want to be part of the great throng of people gathered by God, we can't keep rejecting people who need our help the most. When we do that, we might be keeping them out of our country, but we're pushing ourselves away from Christ and the people he cares about the most. It's important to understand that we are the ones separating ourselves from Christ because Jesus welcomes everyone. Our second reading was from the letter to the Hebrews, and this reading, it sounds like a like a list of qualifications for Jesus in his role as a high priest. Now, for the people at the time, this was probably very important. They, I, I don't think it carries anywhere near as much weight with us today. But, you know, if anything, many Catholics are, were struggling with uh, the clericalism that pervades the church. So, so this idea that being a high priest is a place of honor it might rub lots of us the wrong way. You know, as a bit of a tangent, um, I do find it rather interesting that most conservative Catholics are are the ones most likely to argue for the idea of holding the clergy in the highest regard and and giving them a a place of authority over the laity. And yet, these are also the same people who are most vocally criticizing and even attacking Pope Francis. That's funny. When when John Paul II and Benedict held that office, these were the people who argued vehemently for the primacy of the Pope. Well, anyway, you get the point. Um, back to this weird little reading from the letter to, to the Hebrews. There's, there's actually a lot of theological ideas here, but what I think is most important for us to understand is that Jesus's main qualification for being our high priest is that he became human like the rest of us. He became one of us. He, he suffered horribly, uh, experienced what's likely to be 
um, you know, the, the, the worst thing that you can experience. He was completely rejected. He was even put to death. He experienced the worst that humanity had to offer. But because of that, he was absolutely qualified to be selected from among the people because he was definitely one of us and experienced the worst that any of us could ever experience. So the main message I got from our second reading is that Jesus understands human suffering. And that's no small thing, because many of us have never experienced true suffering. Most of us have we've never been homeless you know, fleeing from the place we were born or, or forced out by you know, people or events beyond our control. Most of us have never been completely rejected and cast out by society or, or our community or, or even by our families. But Jesus, Jesus has. So Jesus understands human suffering. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. And in this reading, we heard the hopefully familiar story of Jesus encountering the blind beggar Bartimaeus. Um, it, it, it's easy to hear this story and think, yep, that's Jesus being kind to everybody. But this is actually a lot more than that. So we need to understand that in Jesus's time, beggars were considered throwaways. They were they were almost the lowest of the low. I mean, at least lepers had a reason to be cast out. Now, it's likely that Bartimaeus was a beggar because he was blind and you know his family couldn't or wouldn't take care of him, or, or maybe he didn't have any family left. Regardless, beggars were generally ignored because they were, like I said, throwaways. So the fact that Jesus made time for this one, for this beggar, is, is something Mark's audience would have been amazed by. And then, not only does Jesus take the time to, to listen to this beggar, he actually works a miracle. And Bartimaeus trusts Jesus as the Messiah, and Jesus recognizes that faith for what it is. Jesus clearly sees the trust Bartimaeus has in him, and, and the hope that this beggar has in Jesus's mercy. So what happens? His blindness is healed. And Jesus says that Bartimaeus's faith is what made him well. And one other thing I'd like to point out, when Bartimaeus says, have mercy on me, it's likely that you recall a, a similar line from our liturgy, Lord, have mercy. Most Christians believe that our liturgical practices come from these scripture accounts, but in many cases, details within scripture actually reflect the liturgical practices that had already been developed. Mark's gospel was the first one written, and, and yet it wasn't written until like 65 or 70 AD. That means that the early Christian communities had decades, decades, to develop liturgical norms. And biblical scholars actually believe that this cry for mercy, it found its way to the lips of Bartimaeus in this gospel reading. It found its way to the lips of Bartimaeus the beggar 
because it would resonate so clearly with the people it was written for, because they already heard it in their liturgy. So there is a connection between this reading and our liturgy, but the, the connection is probably flipped from what most people would expect. Anyway, the main message I got from our gospel reading is that Jesus helps us see. Jesus saw Bartimaeus, one of his society's throwaways, and made time for him. Then he saw the faith in Bartimaeus and healed him, letting the blind man see. You and I may not be outcasts, but I guarantee you that we are all blind in some way. Like Bartimaeus, we need to call out to Jesus and ask him for help because Jesus helps us see. All right, so let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Jeremiah, the main message I came away with was Jesus welcomes everyone. In our second reading from Hebrews, the main message I got was Jesus understands human suffering. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was Jesus helps us see. Now, it's too easy for us to become blind, especially to human suffering that, that seems so far away from us. When we see people on TV who are suffering or, or outcast or, or somehow marginalized by society, we might feel sorry for them, but it doesn't always feel real to us. And if it doesn't hit close to home, we have trouble empathizing, and, and that makes us at least a bit blind to the suffering and blind to what should be done to alleviate it. Unlike many of us, Jesus understands human suffering, and although he welcomes everyone, there is a special place in the kingdom for those who are disabled or marginalized or otherwise suffering. And although it can be hard for us to understand the extent to, to which certain others suffer, we can ask Christ to help. And just like Bartimaeus, if we have faith in him, Jesus will help us see. So let's take a take a step back and we'll take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become any clearer. Uh, to do this, I'd like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because the world is a really terrible place for tens of millions of our brothers and sisters. And like John F. Kennedy said, quoting Edmund Burke, I believe, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. When good people do nothing, evil will win in the end. But I'm, I'm willing to give some people the benefit of the doubt, and, and I'll assume that their main problem is that they don't clearly see the evil for what it is. They don't see... Uh, the growing number of climate refugees. And if, and if they do, they, they certainly don't attribute their, their forced migration to climate change, which means they don't see uh, our continued reliance on fossil fuels for the evil choice that it is. 
you know, when good people look at the the thousands of people at the border between the U.S. and Mexico, and they think, well, what are we supposed to do? Just just let anybody and everybody come in? Where are we going to put them? How are we going to feed them? Why don't they just go home and fix things there? When that happens, those people who think that are assuming that their own personal experience and, and understanding of economics, job growth, immigration, and a hundred other things is adequate to decide the fate of these people who need help. But it's not. They are blind because what seems logical to them is actually based on fear and ignorance. We should care about this because when all these pundits and politicians rant about individual rights and personal freedoms and then equate that to things like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, it's nothing more than code for, I don't really care. It's not my problem. But as Christians, we are called to care. And it is our problem. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where, where do we go from here? Now, I am sure that I am starting to sound like a broken record here, but we can start by opening our eyes and trying to understand the extent of the human suffering happening all around us. And we don't have to look around the world or thousands of miles away. We can find plenty of suffering in our own backyards. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Go volunteer at a food pantry, a soup kitchen, or a homeless shelter in your area. And instead of judging people or assuming the worst, instead of, instead of looking at Bartimaeus and assuming he probably screwed up and deserves to be a beggar on the road, why not just set our judgment aside and try to see with our eyes of faith? Why not give people the benefit of the doubt and then simply ask, what can I do to help? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're considering where you can help in your area, but, but also as you look around at the suffering of those in need around the world, remember what we read in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. There will always, always be people in need of our help and support. Instead of judging them and, and looking down upon them, we need to ask Jesus to help us see them the way that he does. All right, we have come to the end of our time here together. Thank you for joining me. I'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word, and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and the Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on the Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. 
And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011, by Biblica Inc., used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.